0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, I want to do this. I want to take us back. I'm going to go all the way back before some of you, I don't know, I'm looking at some of you guys before maybe you were born, 1980. Winter Olympics. Anybody remember this? The United States, thanks some older people in here. The United States, and they're taking on, they have to play the Soviet Union, the Soviet team in an Olympic hockey game. And nobody gave them a chance. I mean, they were underdogs multiplied by 10. Why? Because the Soviets had won the last four gold medals The Soviets hadn't been beaten, catch this, in 12 years. They had just played an exhibition game before the Olympics started, and the Soviets crushed the United States by a score of 10 to three. So it was like, these guys, man, they're never gonna win this game. And not even to mention that the Soviet team was made up of men who played in professional hockey, at that time, the Olympics for, the guy, for our team, it was like boys who were from college. I mean, there was no way they were gonna win, but they did win. They won four to three. It gave them the right to move on to the Olympic medal game, uh, medal game excuse me, the gold medal game, where they beat Finland. Not many people remember this, but the real game was the great upset. And if you remember that time, and I remember watching it, and all of a sudden, when it, they're going to win. I, I, like, you can't believe this. Like, the chill is coming. You're like, I can't believe that we're going to win. And Al Michaels, the announcer, he just, he didn't know what to say. And he coined this phrase. He just asked this question. Do you believe in miracles? Because that's what we were watching. And then that got coined, and they became known as, the, the game was the miracle on ice, and Years later, my wife Jody, she actually met the goalie and worked at a company where he was there and, and we got to talk with him about that game and man, it was a miracle. So I just have this question today. One question. I think you're smart enough to guess what it is. Do you believe in miracles? With that kind of answer, I'm not so sure. I'm not talking about the kind that wins a hockey game. I'm talking about the miraculous moments where God shows up. Thank you, one person who can th- who's with me today. God shows up, and you're just like, I don't know, man, I didn't understand that. I didn't see that coming. It has to be him! That's what I wanna to talk to you about. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter one, and we're gonna go through the Christmas story. It's become as fresh as it's ever been to me because I've taught on this before, but I've never looked at it through this lens. And so I hope this is gonna be encouraging to you. I wanna identify, and I hope you're gonna see them. Bible Church, we wanna look at our Bibles, and I want you to see four miraculous moments in the text. Why? Because I have a heart, and Pastor Craig does, along with all of our team, we want you, this Christmas, to experience more miraculous moments. I want that for those in the balcony. I want those for here, front row. Thank you for coming and sitting in the front row. I want those for all the people watching online. I want you to experience more miraculous moments in your life. But it doesn't stop there. So this is where I'm going to push a little bit. And I hope I've earned the right to do that. That I want to push on you to say, by the end of this message, it's, just, it's not all about you and the miraculous moment that you are going to have with God. It's not. I want that. We want that, but I want you to help someone else have a miraculous moment, and I believe that God will do that, and that's what I see happening in this story. Look with me at what it says in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, he's a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You should call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet, the Lord, had spoken by the prophet. Behold, verse 23, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your word, first of all, that it communicates truth. And this story just, it's real. It it happened. It can inspire us. It can motivate us. It can move us. And I pray for a new sense for all of us, even now as we, are in this Christmas season that we could truly say that this is our favorite time of the year because of what you've done, who you are, and what you can do through us. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Amen. If you're a note taker, write this down. The first miraculous moment, the miraculous conception of Jesus, God makes the impossible possible. That's what he does. That's what God's in the business of doing. Hey, you didn't think that was gonna happen? It can happen. Look at verse 18 in the text, and we see it. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So Mary's pregnant, Joseph like, I didn't do it. And we know there's the miraculous moment, the first one we see. That's the obvious one. That man, that that what you did was, was from the Holy Spirit. But think with me for a moment, because Joseph doesn't know this. What's he thinking? What's going on in his mind? To paint the picture, you need to know what betrothal is. Uh, this period, it lasted a year. It wasn't like engagement. It's more like marriage, because they were considered husband and wife. Uh, they had to be divorced. I mean, legally, it's like husband-wife. Now, catch this. It would never fly in our day that they had to live apart. You lived with your parents for a year during that period, And you wouldn't consummate the marriage. But they were still legally married. Joseph is a just and righteous guy we see in the text. And so she comes up and says, well, maybe she didn't even have to say anything. What's going on, Mary? I didn't do it. I thought you loved me. How could you do this to me? I mean, think about the realness and the rawness of this story. Sometimes we just, we don't read it that way. I mean, this guy's like, what? And, and it says that he's a just man and he's unwilling to put her to shame. Hey, he's not gonna throw her under the bus. I man, he's not gonna drag her name through the mud. He's not gonna try to get even like many would. He's just like, no, I'm just gonna divorce this. Let me just pretend this never happened. Stop right there. That's the miraculous moment. You say, I don't see it. In the midst of his pain, in the midst of his uncertainty, in the midst of his difficulty, in the midst of the circumstances that weren't going, God was at work even though he couldn't see it. God was doing something behind the scenes, man. And just like he's doing it behind the scenes now, so whatever setback that you're experiencing, maybe it's a financial setback. Man, I just, I can't believe the income's down, I lost my job. Maybe it's a relational setback as we see in the text. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe i got to get together with that, that cousin or that uncle or that brother or that sister. And Man, Thanksgiving didn't go well. What's Christmas dinner going to look like? Anybody been there? <laughs> Maybe it's a medical setback. Man, I, I just didn't see that coming for my daughter. I didn't see that coming for my son. I, I didn't see that coming for... Like, God... What am I going to do now that I've been diagnosed with this? God is always at work, even though we can't see it. That's the miraculous moment. For Joseph, catch this. I mean, it's, 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 it's so interesting. We need to look at it through the lens of God's sovereignty, which is how you need to view your current setback. For Joseph... God was doing something in him for his sanctification. That means his growth, spiritually. And God was doing something for our salvation. The salvation of the world. So God's objective is always to grow you in sanctification through any trial, any difficulty. That's a miraculous moment. God's objective is to use that trial and that difficulty to lead other people to himself. That's... That's the miraculous moment. Yeah, because I define miraculous moments like this. Miraculous moments happen when we recognize that God is at work even though we don't see it as his silence never means stillness. His silence. I, I don't hear him. I don't understand. Joseph went to bed not knowing what was going to happen. He went to bed wanting to do one thing and he woke up doing another. Because God's, God's silence it, it never means stillness. Hey, some of you may know, and I, I've been talking about it a lot. Jody's giving me a hard time now. Um, Jody, my wife is, and because I, I don't know if you heard, but I got COVID, and I was in the hospital for 10 days. Are you looking here? And so, so, so it's like for three weeks, I had COVID, and I'm not fully 100%. And I got COVID. She's just like, she's like just stop this. <laughs> Honey, I don't know if you know it, but I can't take out the garbage. I have COVID. I cannot walk the dog. Did you know that I have COVID? Honey, I can't put the lights up. I have, I I had COVID, honey. I can barely breathe. And she's ready to kill me. But I'm milking this thing for as much as I got. So just hang with me for a minute. But in all seriousness, as I sat in the hospital, I I had to see it through the lenses of God's sovereignty before I embraced it, before I wasn't upset, before I could see God's purpose in it. And so for me, and I don't know what your setback has been recently, this is my most recent one, is that God wanted to do some things in me for my sanctification. He was trying to get through to me. And he used that to do it. And then I believe, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, like some, I'm not saying a a bunch of people got saved or something, but like, I think that. He used me being in the hospital with some relationships and some people that I talked to and some things to where I think he used it for others' salvation maybe. And so God uses our trials and our circumstances for our sanctification and for others' salvation. Like that's the lens, man. When you get that, I'm just telling you, get ready for miraculous moments. Like God's gonna keep doing stuff, he's gonna show up. And so second miraculous moment, right from the text, is the miraculous intervention of the angel. God still speaks. I mean, he spoke to Joseph. Again, he went to bed thinking he was going to do one thing, and he woke up doing something completely different because the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David. And I love that phrase because the angel is almost doing like this. The angel is almost, hey, you got a long line of spiritual heritage. Like your father, your grandfather, like you go way back, man. Anybody have somebody who came from a strong Christian family and has a heritage? I know Pastor Craig does, we're believers, and, and man, your grandfather's been praying for you, your grandmother, and, and, and he's appealing to that heritage. It's almost like, come on, man, do the right thing. Come on, you got it in you. But then he says, the angel says, do not fear. Why was he afraid? He may have been afraid of what others were gonna think of him and what happened. And I would just say, if you're struggling with fear right now as a follower of Christ, we got to start being more fearful of what, not what others say, but what God's going to say. What's He going to say about it, man? Because He's got an opinion, and we can't let other people's fears shake us. And that's what's going on with Joseph. And and then He says, Hey, I just got to tell you, you had nothing to do with this. I love that part. Man, you think you did. You think you know. You got nothing to do with this thing. This is a bigger plan, a bigger picture for your sanctification, for the world's salvation. Man, uh, just think of it this way Joseph didn't pick this moment, Joseph didn't pick this for himself. There's some things, man, you're in a sovereignly been placed in a circle of relationships and influence, whether it's your job, whether it's your school, whether it's your, hey, you didn't pick that. God put you there, man. And I just, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, that, that's a miraculous moment that God still speaks. And and let me be clear that God speaks in this way. If we could put this miraculous moment up on the screen, they happen when we hear from God supernaturally and, and, and respond to him willingly, faithfully, and obediently. Man, that's it. That's what, we see. that's what we see here. You can't get away from it. So the question is this. This is a question I get oftentimes asked to me. Well, how does God still speak? I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't have a dream with an angel to tell me what I'm supposed to do, whether I should take that job or not, or whether I should change whatever, and, you know, I was going to that school, but I think I want to go here, or I should get married, like, whatever it is. Like, the angel didn't tell me. Does God still speak? Answer, church. Yes. Yeah, he does. But it's, that's not, it's the How? So quick list, I'm going to go through it quick. Five ways that God still speaks. He's speaking, wants to speak to you. First, going to go through this fast, God uses his word. God speaks through the scriptures, and as you're, you know, maybe you're having your own time with God, and you're like, man, anybody in the balcony ever been, like, it's like, man, God spoke to me through his word, give me a hand raise. It just, that's a miraculous moment. And and maybe even now, like I've had people come up to me, and it's like, "Hey, man, you know, it felt like you were talking to me." Well, I wasn't talking to you; God was. Because we believe, just so much feeling, so much love for Jessica. Because you nod, and you're like, "You know, can you teach the rest of the church to respond in the same way that you do?" Okay, we're going to have a class. But but we know that God speaks through His Word to to His people, and it's not me. It's. It's through his spirit. That's the second way. So God speaks through his spirit. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that God has put in you as you are a follower of Christ that you have a piece of God in yourself. And, and Jesus says in John chapter 14, let's appeal to him. He says, well, you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit it has got some purposes and it's going to encourage you. It's going to lead you. It's going to guide you. It's going to convict you going to challenge you. The Holy Spirit is going to do that. And so with the hand raised just on the bottom floor now, how many people I've I've sensed that, that still small voice of God. And, and I can't even just, like, I just, I, I did it and I did what he wanted. And I'll never forget a uh, quick sideline that um, I'll never forget. I was a brand new believer and I didn't understand this. And I wanted to make sure that if I heard the Holy Spirit, that I would respond to the Spirit. And I didn't know how. I mean, just be honest, like, I didn't know how. And so, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit and not just bad pizza I had for lunch? <laughs> I don't know. How do you figure that out? Well, I went home from a church service where I believed the Lord spoke to me through His Word and the Spirit was also speaking. And I sensed God telling me to do something. And Jody thought I was nuts. And I got into my car at midnight and drove from Cleveland all the way to uh, to uh, from Chicago to Cleveland, actually Kirtland, that's where I'm from, and I went there because I believed that God was telling me to go there to share my faith with my parents. And I I thought, if I I don't do this uh, now? Holy Spirit? Like right now? And then I sensed that because I had had this before, and and I didn't do it. Anybody been there? And it was like, you know what? Oh, get a plane uh, next weekend, schedule a trip and get a a plane ticket and go there for 150 bucks or, you know, get a deal on Southwest, whatever. Now. And so I'm like, I'm never going to know. So I got my car and I drove the 450 miles and I pulled up at 6 a.m. I wish you could have all been there to see it. My mom was standing there watering the lawn. I pull in the driveway. She's in her nightgown. Probably too much information there. But she was out in the neighborhood, and she just looks at me. And I roll down the window. That's the time period. Couldn't afford those other things. And and she's like, "What are you doing here?" Now I got two kids. I'm married. What is she thinking? Like, where are the kids? What did you do, moron? <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I cut to the chase. Come on, let's go have breakfast. And God used that experience for me to share my faith with them, but it wasn't my parents that got saved that trip. It was my sister. And so God speaks through his word. God speaks through his spirit. God speaks through believers and non-believers. That man, he's got a word and it can get confirmed through friends and through people you don't even know and people that don't even know God. Two experiences here from scripture, Acts chapter 9, if you're a note taker, where does he speak to believers through believers? Well, that's Acts chapter 9, it's Paul and Ananias, Paul gets saved, he's blinded, God sends Ananias, Ananias tells Paul what to do, believer to believer. How about non-believer to believer? Well, I love it. One of my favorite stories, Exodus chapter 18, Moses and his father-in-law, Jethro. Jethro doesn't really know the Lord, but he looks at his son-in-law, and I love this line, what you're doing is not good. I think my father-in-law said that to me a number of times. What you're doing, it's not good. And so Joseph, or excuse me, um, Moses does what his father-in-law says. There's even a time in scripture, who knows this one, where there's an animal, a donkey, speak, God uses a donkey to speak to somebody. Do you imagine that? I would just say God can use anyone and anything to communicate to you, and he will. And so God speaks through believers, he speaks through the word, he speaks through his spirit, he speaks through two more, through circumstances. This is what I would call, and many people would verbalize it, you know, God opened a door. God closed a door for me to take a step through it, whether it was, you know, a situation, a job, or, man, that's just a wide open door. I've been praying for this, and and so let's walk through it together. And, you know, maybe with your spouse, it's like, man, God's opened that door. And Paul actually comes up with this terminology. He says it a couple of times in 1 Corinthians 16. We'll look at this one. He says, but I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Because there's a wide door for effective work that's open to me. But there's many adversaries, but God's opened this door. I'm still gonna walk through it, no matter how fearful I am of what may be on the other side. He also says in Colossians chapter four, he talks about praying for an open door so that he can share his faith. Lastly, Now we get to this one that we're reading in Matthew 1. Hey, God still speaks through dreams and visions. I believe that. I'm not a cessationalist. I don't believe that that's all stopped. God can communicate. I just said he could do whatever he wants. However, if this is the only way that you ever hear from God, that's it. It's just dreams and visions for me. Just dreams and visions. If that's the only way, and you're not living on an island, then I would say, I think there's some other ways that God wants to communicate with you, through his word, through some other people, through his spirit. And it's probably time to listen up because that's not the only way. It's almost like in our day in the United States, it's kind of like last resort because he wants to communicate you more than just when you're asleep. He, He wants to talk to you and have a relationship with you. And you know what I love about this? as we look at the story of Moses, don't have time to get into all this, but Moses, after this, it says that he took Mary as his wife. He did what the angel said. Do you know if you look at Matthew chapter two, there's two other instances. Joseph, don't do that. Go this way. Joseph, do that. Go this way. Two other instances. Three times in Matthew one and two, we see Joseph hearing the voice of God and doing exactly what God says. Man, three for three. I hope we're batting like that. Are we hearing from him and then doing what he says? Because if not, you're cheating yourself out of the topic, the miraculous moment. You're cheating yourself. You're not going to experience the fullness of what God wants. It's obedience to his word, however, it comes to you. Two more miraculous moments. First one is this. Uh, Third one is this. The miraculous salvation. Did I give you the application for that? Like God speaks part? Yeah, I did that already. The miraculous salvation promised in Jesus. God's people need to share their faith. So that's the application that we see. That, That we need to be willing to share the miraculous moments. This is where I'm going to press in now. God's given you a miraculous moment for you not to just keep it to yourself, but to help other people experience miraculous moments on their own so that they would recognize that there's a God who sent his son into this world and they can have relationship with him. That's the miraculous moment. Thank you, Jessica, for the clap. No one else did, but let's just learn right now. It's not going to be a golf clap with you and me, girl. God wants to use, what does he want to do, man? He wants to use these situations that we experience to help other people experience him. So that pain, that difficulty, I mean, if we'd be willing to be vulnerable about it, man, I had that sickness and God did something remarkable. It was healing. Man, God comforted me in the worst time. Like like that, he wants to use that and those are miraculous moments. So look what what the angel says. She shall bear a son, his name is Jesus. She shall he will save his people. Now, if we double click on Jesus here, the it comes from the Hebrew name Joshua. If you got the name Josh, Joshua, it literally means the Lord saves. That, that's just awesome. That's what Jesus came to do. But question, what is he going to save us from? Yeah, that's what the angel said. He said he's going to save from his sin. But now let me tell you though, most people, when you talk to them, non-believer, and we got Christians running around like crazy with chickens like their head cut off. Sorry, the raw honesty. This is the fourth time I've done this message now, and and we're running around and we're like, the Lord's got to save you. You got to get saved. You got to get saved. You got. You know what? The first thing your non-believing friend is saying, from what? What do I got to get saved from? I think I'm doing okay. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. What do I need to be saved from? They they don't know. You say, Ron, how do you know that? Because I can remember you people saying it to me. I'm like, what? What do I got to be saved from? Like, Like, you can't recognize, you can't embrace a solution if you don't recognize the problem. Can't say it better with that. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is we have a sin problem. So let me dive deep for us who are believers in Christ and let me tell you, theologically speaking, what theologians say about you being saved. Three aspects of salvation. Justification. That's you've been saved from the penalty of sin. You've been justified. You've been given new standing before God. It's like the theological term is just as if I never sin. That's, that's the past you Saved from the penalty. It says in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. But that's the past. What about the present? Well, in the present, you're being saved from the power of sin. Like, that's what God's doing right now. And, and, and that's sanctification. And that means I'm becoming more like Christ and I'm becoming more open to what God wants to do and he's refining my character and my conduct to be more like his word and his will and his desires. And and so we get that from Romans chapter six. We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might no longer be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's God's desire. He wants to free us. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So that's presently what's going on as you're being saved. So what does it mean to be saved? Well, you're being saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin. And lastly, you're saved from the presence of sin. And so that's glorification. And and, and so that's this whole idea that this is about the future. If this is the past and that's the present, this is what's to come. And so there's a new version of you. You don't have it yet. The latest iOS ISO update. It's coming, and, and it's going to be, you're going to look like Jesus in a glorified state. Where do we get that? Well, 1 John says, beloved, we are God's children. You are beloved. You're God's child. You embrace Jesus Christ, the gospel. And what we will be, hey, we're an old version. We're not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, Jesus We shall be like him in a glorified state because we shall see him as he is. So this is what it means. This is what we're saved from. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go talk to your coworker and lay that all out for him when you're trying to share the gospel. That could be a little too much. But I am saying that you can have a miraculous moment where you can share what God's doing in your life and you could find out what their spiritual journey is so that you can have an opportunity to influence them for Christ. Because you've not only been saved from some things, you're saved for some things, followers of Christ. You're saved so that you and I would be what? They're saved for some things, for God's glory, for God's goodness, that we would be used as his ambassadors in this world to bring other people to the gospel. And so... The miraculous moment is, it happens when we step out of our comfort zones to share the love of Christ with those who God has sovereignly placed in our circle of influence. Again, each one of you. You've been put in a certain family. You've been put, you know, you find yourself in a circle of influence in a neighborhood. You're in a circle of influence right here. You're in a circle of influence at your workplace, at your school. Man, wherever like that's why God's put you there that, that, those are the miraculous moments so we want you this is where I pushed I'm going to push it harder now next weekend is an opportunity you've been given a card when you walked in uh, who's your one card you could even look at it now but Pastor Craig is going to talk about what that's for and how we can be used to help other people experience miraculous moments when I'm done You could begin looking at it right now, but we want you to do what? To be used of God to be an influencer for him in this season Christmas. Next week is Christmas services, all of our locations, and we call them impact services. So same times and great opportunity for you to invite a friend, a family member, a loved one. And and the gospel, what's an impact service? The gospel is going to be shared, and we're going to have special music. Man, it's just going to be an awesome time. You're going to hear a special testimony of a couple in our church. I can't wait for you to hear this. If you have a friend who has gone through a trial where they can't see light at the end of the tunnel, we have a testimony of a couple in our church, man. They went through, I mean, the ringer, and they're going to just share from their heart about their experience and how God met them through it and how the worst pain could become a miraculous moment. And I don't know, maybe... That would help your friend to see that God is at work even though we can't see it. So again, Craig's going to get to that. I've got one more miraculous moment. Good stuff? It's the last one. Miraculous realization of prophecy. God keeps his promises. So verses 22 through 25, we'll just cut to the chase. This is the fulfillment. So this passage, the angel speaks. Then Matthew tells us, man, this is a fulfillment of what what the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah 700 years ago. And, and what is the fulfillment? Well, it's that the virgin Mary will conceive, she'll bear a son, and Joseph, you got nothing to do with it, sorry, but you don't. And, and, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, and it means God with us. And so that's what this season is about, that God's with us. And, and so the miraculous moment, if we could just put up the miraculous moment for a moment, what's the miraculous moment? Well, they happen when we trust in God's promises because God keeps them, right? We just said that. Here we saw God kept his promise. He was going to deliver Savior. He did. And he keeps his promises to heal us, to comfort us, and to guide us. That's, that's what God does. He, he keeps his promises. We can, he, he's been, he can be trusted. How many people would agree with me, man? You know what? I, like, it's true. He, he, can, he can be trusted for who he is and what he's done. And I can trust in God's promises. And if you've been around the block for a while, or you've taken a few laps around the track of life, and I know, man, it doesn't work out the way we like, and things often don't. But there's one thing I can count on: that man, God's—he's going to keep his promises. And I may not be able to count on that person sitting next to me, or that person in the back row, or no offense to you two. But I can count on him. And so what kind of promises does he keep? Well, let me give you quick, my top four, the promise of God's presence. He's with us. He's here right now. He wants to guide you. You can take a look at the verse yourself. How about the promise of God's provision? Love this. Lions suffer and want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord, man, we don't lack no good thing. How about the promise of God's peace? That's what this season is about. God brought peace to the world in a baby named Jesus that grew to a man that was crucified for our sin. And promise of God's protection. That, man, that God wants to, like, fear not that he's with us. There's this presence, and he's going to strengthen you. There's this power. And I, with my righteous right hand, man, I'm going to lift you through this. So, so God keeps his promises. So as we round third base in this message and get ready to slide into home, I said, I want you to have some more miraculous moments. And so these are how we see them happen right here, that that we can have these when we recognize that the situation that we're in, man, it doesn't make sense right now, but I got to trust that God's still at work. That can lead to a miraculous moment. And maybe for you, it's like, I I, I don't know, I need his supernatural guidance, man. Well, God's word, he still speaks, and we got to be obedient to what he said. Or it's like, man, if I step out and share, that's an opportunity for you to have a miraculous moment as God gets you through. So I I don't want to belabor it, because I said at the front end, I love you, care about you, want you to have more miraculous moments, but that's not it for me this season. It's just not all about you. It's not all about me. And what I want and what I need from God. And God, why weren't you there for me? No, no, it's about the other people. He's placed in your circle of influence. And And that what, we can have a miraculous moment as we share and help other people experience the miraculous power of Almighty God that our world so desperately needs. Father, I thank you for your word first and foremost and the truth that it contains. And Lord, I thank you for this story that reveals your plan of sanctification for each of us and salvation for the world. And I just would simply ask that we would lean into this time now as we hear from you and that we would respond as you desire, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.